Hi, you're listening to Attention Bliss, episode 49, right here on Talking Stuff Network. I'm Vikram Mohan. We are recording this on the 28th of July, India time. Uh, before we begin, a shameless cross-plug for our newish podcast, Binge On. Episode 4 is out this week and uh, Raj and I recommended four movies that we feel did not get their due. So listen and subscribe to Binge On, where we recommend stuff to watch online. Now, uh, we've had a slow news week, by Indian standards that is, uh, and, but I'm not complaining. It's a cloudy, drizzling Sunday morning here in Hyderabad and I'm glad we don't have some nerve-wracking news item. And I'm also thankful that the that the Arnab I'm about to talk to doesn't scream at me on her phone with his nerves popping from his head, at least not so far. So uh, let's get Arnab in. Hey Arnab, uh, did you watch your namesake's latest viral clip of him screaming at Aparna Sen through a phone? Yes, yes, I did. It was, it was hilarious and it just goes to show what I've been saying for a long time is that news is slowly, not slowly actually, quite fast, moving towards the realm of like performance theater. So this was not, this was basically a reality show. And it's true, they have to compete with reality shows. So I feel bad for them in a way. So that's like Rahul Kanwal now has to actually dress up. I don't know if you've seen him actually dressing up and role playing. <laughs> you, you seem to watch more Indian news than uh, even people in India. I, I do because again, given the fact that the B grade or C grade Hindi movie industry is dead, the only place where I get my B make B grade thrills <laughs> is by watching an Indian media, which is you know pretty much because you see it 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 satisfies the two criterion that I need in order to get my you know fix of B movies or Z movies perhaps. (laughs) It's because first of all, it has to be not self-conscious. So I personally don't like the new wave of Hindi movies where they're very self-consciously making fun of old movies or they're making fun of Mitran Chakravarti. That, That to me is disrespect for the source. For me, what's funny and what, what, what I actually enjoy is when it's Z-grade, not by design, but without any design. It is spontaneously Z-grade, like Gunda, for instance. Or the new MSG movies. Yes, it's like it's, it's, a, cinematic, it's a cinematic equivalent of like monkeys type, you know, sitting on a typewriter and <laughs> making a movie. So that is what I, that is what I enjoy. When... Basically, the randomness of the universe comes together in a way that you could not have predicted. So this is this is when I really, truly enjoy this as art. I enjoy it as art because it is not created with consciousness. It is a subconscious art. It is not that I'm, okay, let me sit down and create art. It's, I'm creating something and it's so terrible. It's so against art that it is art. So this there, there was this movement called Dadaism in France, which was essentially about this. So without, I'm a fan of Saurav Ganguly Dada and I'm also a Dadaist in many ways. So uh, the, the, that Dadaist part of me really, really recognizes and appreciates Arnab Goswami's performance art. And I don't know if you've noticed, but he actually was actually rhyming. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I did, did So you said, where were you then, Aparna Sen? <laughs> Put the phone in your ear, you will hear me loud and clear. So oh, he was without understanding, again. without understanding, he was rapping also. So he was also Eminem. It, it's, it's a brilliant performance. And I think, you know, I, I have my own opinions on Aparna Sen and, you know, their, their crowd. But over here, Aparna Sen basically killed it by not 
responding to him and just calling him, I'm not interested in your what about me. And you could see this, you know, she's talking, she's not even listening to him. And this guy on the side just going on, going on, going on, shouting, you have to answer to me, you're lost. Dude, the person's not even listening to you. So I think Arnav Goswami came out, came out the worst in that, in that battle by far. And I think Aparnasen really, again, I, I, I'm not saying that what he was essentially saying was wrong. I agree with it. That, you know, these people, they come out and they selectively, uh, they select, they selectively outrage. Uh, they do not, uh, and again, this is not something new that I'm saying. I've been saying this in my podcast for the last year, that hate crimes, they just don't classify certain crimes as hate crimes. And then they put it into the hit tracker and say, I'm referring to the hit tracker. I'm truthful. What are you referring to? You're referring to WhatsApp forward. So you're the liar. Now you can do this. You, you can basically change truth when you're sitting in the position, when NDTV and all these people, whoever runs hate tracker, when they're in the position that they can decide what truth is because they have the bully pulpit. Then, of course, the other people have to quote WhatsApp. And we know that WhatsApp is not a reliable media. We know there's a lot of fake news, but so are you. So fake news is not necessarily that the news is fake. By filtering out true news and by presenting only as few news items or facts that conform to your worldview, that itself inherently becomes fake news because you have filtered out certain things. You have refused to acknowledge uh, you have refused to acknowledge the desecration of the Hindu temple as an act of hatred. You have refused to acknowledge it. You have said there's a parking dispute. Ergo, it does not fall within the purview of this. So once you start doing this, everything you say is in essence fake news also. Because they might have happened, but then you have filtered. We know about everything else. You refuse to even acknowledge that they have happened. Then, you're, then, you, then it's fake news. So I agree with what Arnab is saying. In essence, now what I, where I don't agree is, you know, there was this letter to the prime minister and then there's a letter for the other guys. And anybody who is against the government is not necessarily an urban Naxal, isn't necessarily an anti-national. So I, I, I'm against that. I'm against this labeling of anyone. And in this echo chamber that is social media today, it's very, very I mean, when you start labeling people as, as a liberal myself, I mean, for me, one of the basic tenets of liberalism is being able to judge and evaluate uh, things based on the merits of the thing itself, rather than a label that's affixed to it. So just because a bottle is full of white liquid and somebody has put milk on top of it doesn't necessarily mean it's milk. I will not elaborate on this further, but there are other white liquids. The reason, if you go by the if you go by the label, you are bound to be mistaken. So I do not I do not endorse or support. Maybe I sometimes do it myself. That's because I'm fallible. But labels like anti-national, urban, naxal, and you know, the other, the other side has its own labels too. Islamophobe, patriarchy, they have their own labels too. So this side has their labels, this side has their labels. And when you cannot fight somebody on the basis of their arguments, you just affix one of those labels and say, Shh, there you go. But a uh, quick thought on this, uh, both the letters though, I was going through the 
I, I didn't read the letters, but Times of India had a list of people who wrote the uh, the letter and the counter letter. And by far, I mean, I would just have to categorize it as saying both the letters were from Bengalis with a bunch of other people <laughs> thrown across. <laughs> so you see, then one of the reasons is that it's because we Bengalis have been left behind. We are the only guys who are still writing letters. <laughs> So what it used to be what Bengal thinks today, India thinks tomorrow. Now it's kind of been reversed. What India has moved on, it Bengal is now adopting it now. So we still write letters. And I had made this post about you know writing letters. This used to be, a, I don't know how it was in Hyderabad, but when we were growing up, this used to be a standard exam question. You know, write a yeah, letter yeah, to the editor about uh, you know about uh, the need for planting more trees. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And there's always used to be the standard template for that letter. For instance, I hope this letter, I hope this letter finds you in the in good health. <laughs> best of health and spirits. I have no idea what the who talks like that. Coincidentally, Arnab, just as recent as yesterday, I had to write one of those letters to, to my bank. Uh, so <laughs> those skills did come in handy because apparently State Bank still uh, works on good old uh, Renan Martin English. So. I hope this letter finds you in the best of health and spirits. I'm writing to you, sir, to inform you <laughs> that blah, 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 blah is happening. I, I would like Mohan. to give your kind attention. I don't know what the kind attention okay. means. Kindly take proper steps as per your wisdom and good judgment. So, you know, it has to be like that. And yes. then there is, I had written this, and then always has to be, please convey my regards. <laughs> we are, at least I had the standard template last sentence, which was, please convey my regards to your parents and love to your pet dog, Bulu. Which I would <laughs> end of every goddamn letter that I ever got in an exam. You, know, you had a pet dog called Bulu. I don't care who you are. <laughs> So that was the ending sentence. So I think whenever I see these letters, I always search for that. Where is the love to your pen dog? Otherwise, minus one. Okay. This week, of course, we are going to do one of those newsy episodes. Uh, I did say that it's been a slow news week, but of course, India being India and the world being the world, we do have some interesting tidbits. So let me get your insights into some of them. Okay. So the week started off with a couple of news things which made all Indians happy. Uh, but before we get into Chandrayaan 2, I want to get into the other thing which made Indians ecstatic of Imran Khan landing in the US with nobody to receive him except his own minister. And you should also, I don't know if you were, uh, you saw the take on this by some some of the usual suspects saying actually yes, this is the ideal. Course. This is a, this, what are you saying? How are you saying that we Indians are pleased? This is the way prime uh, minister should travel. Should travel, they, exactly. They should travel in economy class just like us. It is not a reflection on their position in the world. It's a reflection of Imran Khan's simplicity that he is traveling, that he goes there and nobody comes to receive him. That, you know, he gets the kind of reception that, you know, your in-laws normally get. <laughs> so again, it's a, sign, it's a sign of his simplicity. You have to wonder, you know, how many of Indian intellectuals are actually, and what's the word of it? Okay, putting black lentil while the, they, That's this week's lentil reference. Yes. I was hoping you know, it's it. not Imran Khan who's lathering himself in black lentil for what we know he does with black lentil. But it's a section of Indian liberati who are basically, whenever they see Imran Khan anywhere, they say, black lentil, go 
So they, I, I do not understand what this fanboyism about Imran Khan is. Again, it's, it's, it's tragic that there are people who hate our own prime minister so much. They hate our prime minister so much that they're willing to be fanboys for this guy who rose on the back of the Taliban in Pakistan. That this guy is essentially a Taliban stooge in who's, who's now a prime minister. And nobody has any problem. I wouldn't say nobody, but so many of our cognoscenti have absolutely no problem with a cipher of the Taliban as the prime minister of a country whose essence is, you know, they, that's been their record has been to try to break up in our country that they would rather side with that person. They would rather give that person the benefit of doubt than their own twice democratically elected prime minister with increasing mandates. This to, and this to me from the same people who say that we are all for democracy. We are worried that democratic institutions are being marginalized. Well, you don't show any respect for democracy in your own personal likings. So why should we even believe you? And uh, coming back, I mean, the, the actual thing about uh, him not being uh, received by anyone from the US. I mean, isn't that a little bizarre though? I mean, they could have no, sent I somebody. Think, I, I think there might have been some, you know, honestly, I, you know, to be very honest, I don't think Pakistan... Pakistan is an important vassal very important state ally United, for the US right it is it is an important vassal state because it's a vassal state and uh, it has always been ahead of India in terms of uh, its currying favor within the real power structure of power structure of the US government Indian ambassadors and you know Indian Foreign Service I heard that has been changing recently but they've always been perceived as kind of sanctimonious the word for it tricks uh everywhere like hectoring giving people lectures you know the whole nehruvian thing you know you you know wagging fingers at people saying that we want no you know, non-alignment and recognizing not recognizing the fact that diplomacy is the art of the possible other than you know principles and pakistan has been much more pragmatic in that in that respect they have they have embraced lobbying much before india did uh, India was still struggling with lobbying is bad while we were being ruled by the Congress party, which is one massive lobby. Uh, you know, we were saying lobbying is bad. So we've refused to cultivate uh, the real sources of influence within the U.S. administration. It's not at the level of the president. It's in the State Department. You know, it's, it's the people who really take the decisions in, within the military the State Department, you know, people who really take the decisions, people who really write the briefs. Pakistan has always had a much, much better game there. And for Pakistan, it has always been that, you know, look, we, they had a good story. So India was, was you know, the Indian story has always been under, under the predominantly Congress rule, has always been, uh, you should do the right thing, America. You are the evil uh, imperialists. Pakistan hasn't gone down that lane. Pakistan has been that we are your, we are your customer service guys, perhaps in your foreign, <laughs> in yeah. in your own in your imperial ambitions. So Pakistan, and it's not always true, but Pakistan has always sold themselves as the grief party in Afghanistan. Look what happened. You know, you guys propped us up against the Russians when they invaded us, and now you know. 
and then you backed out. Uh, you backed out leaving with us the problem of the Mujahideen and the Taliban. We created those for you when you wanted us to. And now when you lost interest in the region, because, as, and again, many people don't know this fact, is that uh, when the Shah of Iran, when, you know, the, the Shah of Iran uh, was deposed, uh, the, the Shah was uh, a local agent of the U.S. at that point of time. So when he was overthrown by Ayatollah, Ayatollah Khomeini and uh, the U.S. diplomats were taken hostage in Tehran, which was a very anti-American government that came into power, this was, uh, this was radical Shia, uh, this was a radical Shia rule, uh, which again was firmly against the radical Sunni rule of Saudi Arabia. So the U.S. was a double enemy was also the backer of the House of Saud. So what happened was the U.S. lost its a listening station in those days. This was a very vital thing on the USSR border because Iran was on the USSR border. And so what at that point of time, the Russians thought that the next place that the U.S. would try to get their fingers into was would be Afghanistan because Afghanistan could all, was also on the border of USSR. And so in a preemptive strike, it rolled into USSR and took it over. So before the Americans came in. So at that point of time, the Americans started fighting a proxy war essentially against the Russians using, they cleared out all the radical Islamists who were lodged in different jails in Egypt. They used their influence with Egypt to get uh, Al-Zawari out, for instance. So when they went to the Saudis, they said that they needed uh, some kind of royal Saudi prince to go to Afghanistan to do the jihad because he was because they wanted somebody who could be a leader, and they felt that somebody from the royal family was the, would be the ideal person who could be a leader. Of course, no no actual real House of Saud guy would go to Afghanistan <laughs> to fight the Russians. Uh, they were having a happy life with their oil money. So ultimately, you know, one distant cousin who was loony enough to go to right. do that, a guy by the name of Osama bin Laden. bin Laden, then went there. And so these guys were all in cahoots at one point of time that we all know. The word Al-Qaeda is essentially, uh, you know, it's essentially it means the, the base. The base for what? The base to carry anti-Soviet activities in Afghanistan. That's really where Al-Qaeda comes from. So Pakistan has always had an inside track uh, to the U.S. Uh, because they've, they've, they have fought their dirty wars. And India has refused to do it all the time. So obviously the Americans never really liked India. And you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Nixon and... Uh, what's his name? Uh, so, so the name is, is escaping me right now. His uh, uh, Hold on, let's, let's just stop this. Let me just Google this. His vice I president, need... you mean? No, no, not his vice president, his secretary, Nixon. Henry Kissinger was that time, right? Henry Kissinger and uh, Henry Kissinger and Nixon, they, they hated India. They hated India. They hated Indira Gandhi because they felt that, you know, she always spoke down to them. She was always lecturing them. You know, the, the kind of things that Indian foreign policy and you know, Indian diplomacy was, was known for. And they obviously gravitated towards Pakistan. So Pakistan, what I'm the point I'm trying to say is Pakistan has a special relationship 
with the US. It's not so much at the level of the president or the vice president, but it's at a much lower level. Uh, in the State Department, for instance, you know, they, I mean, anybody who is somebody in Washington, D.C. knows that the ISI, uh, you know, they do a lot of events in, in, in D.C., the Pakistan and the ISI, they sponsored events that, that happened to influence opinion makers. You know, Indians don't do that. So Pakistan is a special state in the U.S. They have a huge number of backers in the, I would say, the second rung of U.S. executive authority. And some, some would say they're not actually the second rung, they're actually the first rung in terms of their influence because they really write the reports and they really make the recommendations. Especially now, now with uh, Trump, uh, hashtag not your president. Uh, speaking of him, uh, what did you make of uh, Trump uh, you know, saying that Modi asked him to help again, by now, I mean, what it's been two years of Trump, we should know that he is not doing this by accident, right? I mean, th there is a method to the madness, at least I think so. So with Trump, again, the thing is that there is a method to his madness, but there is also some of madness in itself. Absolutely. Let's yes. of, so that, let's think of the way Trump is. So Trump Unlike any other American president, Trump's presidency is a reflection of himself. So most people, when they become presidents, they subordinate their own egos to the role of the president. So we never really know what Obama thinks of something when he's a president, right? It's the president who, when somebody, when a president tweets, what you're getting is the decision of the government, right? It is not the person who's tweeting, except in the case of Trump, it is the person who's tweeting. So he has, he goes on these deranged rants at five o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, where he's blasting his imagined enemies, his real enemies, he's passing all these kinds of racist remarks, you know, all these kinds of, whether it's racist, some people would say not racist, but I would say racist inflammatory remarks, which don't reflect, which should not reflect the office of the president, but reflects him. So for Trump, the presidency is about himself. This is a person who's pathologically pathologically self-centered to his case when the, I use the word pathologically deliberately, it's a disease. Some of it is actually not his doing. You know, think of Donald Trump. He's born into this extremely rich family. He's from, you know, from day one, he's, you know, just given things. He's extremely rich. He's modern royalty. Uh, when he becomes a teenager, you know, none, none of the things that teenagers have to strive for, you know, the company of women, you know, things like that. He just gets it for free, essentially for free, not really for free. You know, he's, you know, he gets married thrice. He's having sex with porn stars. You know, he basically lives the, basically lives an adolescence fantasy without really having to pay for it. You know, the payment, the hush payments are made by his lawyers. He has a, he has a dedicated guy who pays off people with whom he has illegitimate relationships with. So you can understand, you know, he lives like a king. So everything is about himself. And I remember there was, I remember a long time ago when I used to read Archie comics, there was, let me think of this, there was this line in which Archie is talking about Reggie and he says, the thing that I hate the most is when somebody says he's the best and goes and proves it. So, you know, you have, you have this, and then this guy says, I'll be the U.S. president. You know, I'm so awesome, I'll be this. And everybody laughs at him, and he becomes the U.S. president. So, you know, his 
his ego goes from this to this at the point of time. So everything is about himself. He himself believes that he is infallible. And so everything has to revolve around him. So post-Trump, uh, many foreign governments have realized this, that the way to you know, get on the inside track is to basically appease Trump. And, you know, the, how do you appease Trump? It's, 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 it's very, very like, you know, Bihar, Bihar UP politics. You basically pay him. So there are two things you have to do. First of all is you need to go to him, bow your head and say you're the greatest president the U.S. ever has ever had. So flattery works on him very, very well. And you could see Imran Khan flattering him right there. The second thing that works for Trump is pure old-fashioned corruption. Pure old-fashioned corruption. So there have been multiple reports in which um, the Qatar government, uh, the, the, the Qataris got into trouble with the Saudis recently. And Trump came down very hard on Qatar then. Now Qatar then wormed its way back into Trump's good books. How? By spending a lot of money at Trump's properties, which is basically bribery. So with Trump, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. has strangely, this is something which I could never have imagined a few years ago. It's, it's essentially become, you know, a tin pot, you know, tin pot dictatorship. In terms of, I'm not saying that the democratic institutions don't exist, they do. But in terms of the pure brazen corruption that goes on at the highest level, you know, all his, everybody, he, you know, all the powerful people are members of his own family. This, this kind of thing only happens, used to happen in what they used to call third world countries. Now, at least the Americans have been put into place. That they see that it's happening in their own country that they have. So, you know, in India tried its best. They, they got uh, Ivanka Trump to come here and speak at a leadership summit and thought that is going to help. But of course, that, that would help if the Pakistan was doing the exact same thing, but Pakistan is doing much more. And so in the Indian diplomacy in that case has failed in the new Trump world where it's essentially how much you pump Trump up that gets you favor. That's exactly what happened with Imran Khan. So Imran Khan went there. Uh, he had a conversation with Trump. Uh, it's, it's not, and again, with, with, with Boris Johnson coming in, becoming the prime minister of, in, of, of the UK, you know, it's, they're very similar people also. So Boris Johnson, I don't know if you know, is, is now on his third wife. So all of them, yes. Trump three, Imran Khan three, Boris Johnson three. Uh, so you know, there's, there's, it's a certain kind of a person, a certain kind of personality trait that, that, that you see there. And, and these personality traits, they can connect. They can connect much better. Which ultimately diplomacy, especially at the level of heads of state, is all about, do you feel me? It's, it's very much, uh, you know, it's, it's, and especially when you have people like Trump who really don't care about the advice which is being given to them. You know, it's all about himself. So he takes a decision. So that statement that he made was obviously a lie. And Trump has, has no problems with lying, right? He, he, he I, I think one of the, he, he's taken lying to a state where he doesn't even care if it's on video. So I don't know if you have aware of this story, but you know, in one of his, his, his rallies, he, he's gone after these, you know, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar. Yeah, and, right. and these yeah, other. Yeah. So he went to a rally where he was openly, you know, openly instigating his audience to boo Ilhan Omar and you know, send her back, send her back. Okay. So at one point of time, 
and it's recorded it's on camera of course he's a president wherever he goes it's on camera he he's speaking and essentially saying you know that these people should be sent back to their country and he stops speaking and for about 30 or 40 seconds the whole or whole crowd shout shout send her back send her back send her back okay just like they used to shout uh, lock lock hillary up lock, lock, lock hillary her up. up yeah lock her up so he stands there essentially like you know waiting for them Soaking to chant the entire thing <laughs> and then a day after when you know he goes back and i think his advisor says no you can't do that you know that is and then he says no i totally condemn the fact that they all said lock her up i was trying to prevent them from saying that it's on freaking video you can see him encouraging them it happened not even 24 hours before so so the point that i'm trying to make is that stump is absolutely fine with with barefaced on record lying and at least in this case there is no video right of modi telling him or not telling him anything so this he can always claim that modi told him there's nothing one can do about it but even when there is video he still lies so he's he, he's the, the normal he set the new normal is nowhere close to what it used to be before 26 uh, 24 <laughs> and uh, uh, arnab the usual suspects of course immediately came out saying this should this is a shame we should have you know yes. where is the clarification the same people who two <laughs> minutes before were saying trump is not my president he's a liar he's terrible now is trump is truthful so that's the thing that's the thing with you know what what has emerged as india's political you know, influential political class is that they are willing to believe support imran khan they are willing to support trump but they are not willing to support their own democratically elected prime minister the hatred for somebody has never been and, and again something which i have said it's not just modi it's anybody even perceived it's like transitive closure anybody perceived to be a supporter of modi they are they, they consider them to be nazi fascists and they're willing to destroy them even if it means supporting a, you know somebody who is a, you know is, is is effectively a leader of is is of islamic jihad like ibran khan or a true fascist a true racist fascist like trump they're willing to support those guys against somebody like modi who never who has never made comments even remotely as inflammatory as this as a matter of fact i believe that a section of the indian right wing is actually pissed off at modi because he's he has, apparently he has appropriated the language of the of the centrists and the secularists now so they like you know uh, you know yogi adityanath for instance much more but modi has done what you know most rational people do when they come to power that he's swung to the center ultimately the only way you can be effective when you are running a country in the in the modern age is to be at the center that is the place and so modi has done that properly he is he does govern from the center many of his you know economic policies are you know tremendously left wing we have nirmala sitaraman saying that we are going to redistribute but this is classic communist talk coming from her at this point of time so this is the india's econ india's right wing which is talking about redistribution <laughs> of wealth and so, you you made the point i think a few uh, part, um, quite a few episodes ago saying that there is no essentially no right wing in india i mean everyone is no there is no there is no economy so another thing people always say how can you you know how can you know somebody who's you know supports the us left wing be a supporter of the indian right wing and the fact is that the indian left wing and the right wing and 
they don't even align. They don't even align. You know, India is phase shifted to the left. Phase shifted. India's right wing guys are more to the left of, of America's left wing guys. In America, for instance, not even, not even, let's say, the John Stewart's would say that, you know, they, they always say, they always talk about American exceptionalism. They always say America is the greatest country in the world. They will say that. Whether they mean it is another thing, but they at least say that. If you want to stay in the, in the mainstream of US popular culture, you have to accept whether you agree or with it or not, you know, privately you might be saying something else, I don't care. But at least publicly he has to, you know, be, uh, you know, be in the mainstream. In India, that is not the case. In India, that is not the case. In India, in that respect, it's much more European, I would say, than American. So there is no real alignment with the American left-right and with the Indian left-right. It's, 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 it's very tenuous. And unfortunately, many people in India now because they're so America facing, because they wake up in the morning and start watching Netflix is they like to, you know, they, they like to take everything from America and try to put it on in India. I think the funniest things is when people say the founding fathers, when they referred to the people who wrote the Who's, Indian constitution. Oh, no, okay. they're not the founding fathers. Founding <laughs> fathers is what they refer to in the US. Man. Nobody referred to them as founding fathers in India. So please get your metaphors, please copy your metaphors properly. Or, or the fact that we attach gate to any scam in India, which yes, most people is won't gate. Everything is gate. Everything is gated by gate, even though there is no there is no water and there is no gate. <laughs> yeah, there's no water in India, right? There's no water and there is no gate. But you spoke about exceptionalism, so which brings me to Chandrayaan. Must be a moment of pride for everyone. No, it's not a moment of pride. How dare India do this? There are so many people who are hungry. How can you send things to the moon? You cannot do something to the moon. Why you should not even be having a computer? There are people who are, don't have electricity. Argo, you cannot have a computer. I remember when I was growing up, I saw this I saw this interview. At that point of time, mind you, there was no Hindu right. So the most right-wing guy was, believe it or not, Sam Pitrola. Crazy Sam. So right. I remember yeah. in, in an interview, Crazy Sam, you know, the, he was, I'm just surprised to see Sam Pitrola speaking like this nowadays because I always used to think that he was a level-headed, smart guy. Maybe it's just, I don't know, age, or maybe the, he did understand that in this day and age, unless you, unless you speak to a certain sections of the audience, certain section of the echo chamber, nobody wants to take you seriously. Maybe that's the reason. But he came across, remember in his old interviews in the 80s and 90s, he's a very rational person. And I think, and remember when uh, Rajiv Gandhi first started this whole thing about the information superhighway, yes. so the word internet became yes. a thing. And, you know, of all the things that I hate about the Gandhis and, you know, the one thing that I will give them credit for, and I, I mean, they of course take credit for everything, but this one, I will give it to them is that they had some foresight in understanding. I, I distinctly remember uh, Sam Petroda in an interview in Durudarshan when you could only see Sam Petroda in interview on Durudarshan because Durudarshan always aired, you know, either Rajiv Gandhi or Rajiv Gandhi's friends. So I remember he said that there was a question that the, you know, very respectfully at this point of time, because they were obviously on Durudarshan, asked him that, you know, some people say that we should not be doing these things when we have you know, so many poor people. And he said, you know, we can't do that. We can't wait for all villages to be electrified 
before we start talking about the information superhighway, about in those days, again, the, the terminology was different. They should talk about the telecom revolution. So we cannot start talking about the telecom revolution, uh, which, which I would say now is, is, is you know, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G technology. And the internet superhighway, which I would say is the internet. We cannot start talking about these after we solve these problems. These problems, I distinctly remember him saying these, and I agreed with it, and I still agree with it, is that these problems will remain and we'll have to solve them side by side. And in a way, because we solve and we try to solve these other problems, maybe those will impact the prop the other problems of, of you know water and electricity and poverty and mm-hmm. health. It was absolutely right. You know, think of an India where it was able to take the lead. I remember another thing which I remember, whether it was Sam Pitroda or some other flunky, you know, some of those tech flunkies that Rahul that Rajiv Gandhi had, who by the way was, you know, we look at Rahul Gandhi and even Rajiv Gandhi had his, you know, his, his problems with speaking, but Rajiv Gandhi was light years ahead of Rahul Gandhi okay, in terms of in terms of a leader. Light years ahead of him. I, that's a low bar, actually, but still. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 you know, obviously, obviously, the gene pool is deteriorating. We can see that in front of our eyes. Uh, so you know, Nehru was he made his mistakes, but he also had some stupendous successes. Let's accept that. Uh, Rajiv Gandhi, Indira Gandhi, had her failures, and she had again, she had some stupendous successes. You know. She, uh, with respect to Pakistan, I don't think anybody ever replicated that. Yeah. With, with, with Rajiv Gandhi, it went down, but even he did some good things. You know, he did some bad things, he did some good things. And with Rahul Gandhi, it's, it's kind of we're reaching the terminal edge edge of the tree at this point of time. So, anyways, but I remember there was I remember this was a long time ago, in the 80s, and it kind of struck me as well. That's that's, that's nice, you know, the way of thinking about it. But then he said, you know, because we have this time difference with US. We can provide them, you know, this this kind of service that would allow them to do things 24 hours of the day. Now, this might seem to many of you to be obvious because you've seen this for the last 20, 30 years, but it wasn't at one point of time. I so at least some people there at that point of time, and I don't know how we have kind of deviated to this, were actually thinking ahead of their times. I don't think that Congress even has these people at at this point of time. But coming to Chandrayaan two. I think it's very essential that we keep on doing space exploration. And we talked about this last episode, where it's not just, you know, nations need missions, you know. And forget inspiring in India, we've uh, inspired Pakistan. I think they are talking about a moon mission or putting a person uh, in space in the next two years. And, and, and honestly, that, very, that's great news, isn't it? At, no, I think the greatest news is at least we need these missions because otherwise, how will Akshay Kumar make his movie? <laughs> Next movie. <laughs> we need to provide, we need to provide themes which Akshay Kumar saves the world. Whether he is airlifting uh, people from Iraq, whether he's sending people to Mars, whether he's creating sanitary pads, Akshay Kumar has to save the world. So we, at the very least, can we all agree that we need to give, provide different kinds of projects for Akshay Kumar to later on, two years down the line, come and take credit for it. Absolutely. So from not, not so much Akshay Kumar, Akshay Kumar, and of course Canada. <laughs> but, 
fight. You, you can't separate one from the other. Uh, you cannot separate one from the other. I mean, there is maple syrup and there's Akshay Kumar. Akshay Kumar. The two things that Canada has given to this world. So from the highs of the moon, uh, let's sink to the depths of Azam Khan. And leave it at <laughs> Azam, that. Azam Khan is that guy from that Prakash Jha movie who's come to life. He's like Toy Story 4 in an evil universe. He's that, whenever I see him, whenever I see him, I see that you know, he looks, he looks the part. He looks like he actually leapt out of the screen into this real world. He's, I think he says these things. He, he knows that he's one of those politicians who understands that he is, he's a marginal player in terms of as a politician. Okay, he doesn't. Uh, he's Azamgar. He might be a you know he might be a big Kahuna in Azamgar. Who knows? But in terms of Indian national politics, he's no one. But he, in a, in, in, in also recognizes in a in a very different way the exact same thing that Trump recognizes that in this day and age uh, of political correctness, you know, he's he's not an idiot. Okay, he. He's, he's cottoned on to Trump's algorithm for a long time, even before Trump became this Trump, is that he needs to essentially be himself. You know, when he says this, there is an outrage. Whenever he says these things, there's an outrage. But there's also this group of people for whom they feel that, you know, he can say this, so he must be right. There is a lot of people who are supporting him too. You know, he is a regressive you know, the, the worst, he's the dredge. He, he's like the lowest of the low of Indian politics. And I'm pretty sure there are many people who support him. And in this case, again, he does this, I believe, to be talked about. He's like that other guy who I always confuse him with, Abu Azmi, who's right? Uh, Abu Azam, I think, or Azmi. Abu Azam, you know, I keep confusing between the two, and it is not a coincidence that their names are very similar. But also, that guy's only relevance is by making these kinds of whether you know this kind of terribly misogynist remarks. I mean, I on one hand, you don't want to talk about these people because you feel that by talking about them, you give them oxygen. On the other hand, you do have to talk about these people because if you don't, then you kind of you kind of accept that this is a normal, that this yeah, is normal, the way. Exactly. Right? Because, so, you know, they know this. So they know that the moment they say this, they're putting you into this conundrum. If you stay silent because you don't want to give them any more, you know, as I said, oxygen, you're basically endorsing them. And if you come across and you discuss them and you condemn them, then there you go. Every time you do it, you're mentioning their name. You didn't and like mention the Vol- and, 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 and just like Voldemort, the more you mention their names, the more powerful they become. Yeah. This brings us back to Overton Window, which you uh, explained, I yes. think, a few Yes, exactly. Ago. For them, it's not so much Overton Window, because Overton Window is about, you know, extending, you know, extending what is normal. Even what, what he's saying, you know, the kind of regressive shit that he, he represents isn't anything new. I'm pretty sure that a lot of people in parliament feel exactly the same way. It's just that he is that brazen, that shameless, that he consistently goes there, knowing fully well the implications of going there. And also being absolutely blaze about it because he knows that his constituents in Azangar couldn't care less. 
and that they will end up actually supporting him, the people who are his vote bank, he's speaking to them. So this is, this is what is infuriating about him is that he's not, what he's saying is essentially for his own vote bank in Nazimgarh and in Uttar Pradesh. I mean, this is, he is the, archety is the archetype of the UP Bihar politician. I think that many people in, many politicians in UP Bihar, as I said, they might dial it down nowadays because of the prevalent, you know, because of the prevalence of this, but he's this guy who absolutely does not want to because he believes that he gains from, by not dialing it down. Again, I'm not saying that people don't think the way he thinks. I'm pretty sure a lot of those people actually think the exact same way, but there are very few people. And, and the, again, I'm perfectly fine with what you think. There's nothing I can do about it. But if you're a parliamentarian and you're talking in parliament, it's not you talking in your living room. It's you talking in your parliament. You freaking better be sure what you're going to talk about and the way you address people and the way you address women and the way you address essentially your colleagues. What kind of you know, unbelievable amount of disrespect is that? I mean, how, what, again, as I said, you know, talking about him, just like Voldemort, he wins every time you mention his name. Okay. And oh. we are almost at the end of the podcast and I'm going to give you a long topic to talk about. And what else can it be with a big target and a small, uh, very little time to achieve it, but uh, about MS Dhoni. So go, <laughs> let's so see. The fact, the fact is, honestly, I haven't before. I mean, I, I would possibly like to revisit this at some point, but I haven't read enough about this to comment about it. Okay, so, let me ask you this as a question, though. Is there, and uh, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, airing my views on this, but is there any responsibility of a brand, uh, 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 you know, as a celebrity who's endorsing a brand to stand by the brand or does, is there, should there be a legal? Uh, so that's a good question. So that's a good question. I remember many years ago, and I can't Google this anymore, but there was uh, somebody who sued Shah Rukh Khan. The guy who sued Shah Rukh Khan was actually a convict. And I think, I think he was, he was a convict in a jail who sued Shah Rukh Khan because apparently Shah Rukh Khan endorsed a product called Thanda Thanda Cool Cool. And, <laughs> yes. um, and his contention was that he it was a powder or something that he used it and he started getting itches all over. So he sued Shah Rukh Khan. This is guy is an under trial prisoner. Okay. So again, I, I, I think there is, I think society has to understand that when a celebrity endorses a product, a celebrity endorses a gazillion number of products. It does not mean he uses them. And this is especially true for, for things like the kind of situation that Dhoni has, I believe has gotten himself into. I think this is not the first time. I think uh, there have been other cricketers also who have gotten into trouble. I mean, whenever you endorse, you know, real estate companies and, and, and things like that, there's, there's always the risk that it will go south, right? Um, I find that sort of Ganguly, for instance, in Bengal, he pushes a whole lot of these, if I'm not wrong, pushes a whole lot of these real estate, you know, projects. So there is always, there's always this notion of caveat emptor. You know, you can, for me, one thing that we have to understand, and this is increasingly becoming a problem in today's times, is, is this whole, this whole nanny attitude that, oh, Sachin Tendulkar told me to buy this, so I bought it. No, Absolutely. he didn't tell you to buy this. Okay. First of all, you're a friggin' adult. Okay. Behave like one. 
the celebrities endorse things because they were paid to endorse it. They cannot endorse something. And whatever they endorse, it, firstly, you do not know that they use it. For instance, this is when many times it's been proven that celebrities endorse mobile phones and then they tweet from right. another mobile. <laughs> right. Okay, I mean, Shah Rukh Khan endorsed Santro. Yeah. I mean, you, nobody's or Santro or Aiton. Nobody expects him to drive one. Of course, you know, you have like superstars, you know, endorsing Oppo and everything. And then of this tweet from iPhones. Okay. So, of course, they don't use Oppo. Uh, so, you know, you have to understand that an endorsement is just that. It's an endorsement. And nobody, and, and they don't use those products, especially for products like, you know, real estate, which, you know, come with its risk. Whenever you buy real estate, whether, uh, whether you think of it in this way or not, it is an investment. And like any investment, it comes with its risks. And just because Saurav Ganguly or Virendra Sehwag or, you know, Sanya Mirza, whoever Amitabh Bachchan is telling you to do it, doesn't necessarily, and he's, he's not asking you to take that risk, by the way. He is endorsing a particular product. There's a difference between that. So, again, I am absolutely against making celebrities responsible for the products that they endorse. I think that this kind of infantilizing of adult behavior, this is not the only place it happens, has to stop. So again, I'm not saying that, again, I was more concerned, again, I don't know much about this Amrapali thing, but I was more concerned about the Riti sports thing, because it was a blatant conflict of interest when you have uh, the captain of the uh -huh. Indian cricket team being, a, you know, being part of a company that represents players and that their representation is obviously a direct function of their being selected in their team or the kinds of positions they have in their team, the roles they're being assigned to in their team. I think that that was, at least for me, that was a matter of great concern. Again, we in India are extremely lax with respect to conflict of interest. For us, corruption is when you uh, either you know, are caught with you know, a bag, a suitcase full of money, or in the case of this viral video that I'm now seeing with uh, suitcases full of hotel stuff, you know, that, for oh, us, yes. <laughs> that for us is when corruption happens. <laughs> we we tend to take a very liberal uh, we tend to draw a very liberal line with respect to what is accepted behavior so anything before the time you start taking them down the curtains of a hotel room and packing it into your suitcase we consider it to be okay i don't know if you know this but i have personally seen you know people taking air airplane uh, you know the 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 blankets that they give in aeroplanes and putting it in their bags. Oh. Okay. So I have seen that happen in front of me. Okay. Not just one person, but the whole family taking, you know, taking blankets and putting it in their bags. So we, 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 we think of it. I don't, I don't even think they were, I mean, they knew that they were, that they shouldn't be doing it because they were doing it when the, you know, when the, you know, the attendants were not there, but I think we tend to they tend to think of everybody thinks and possibly you are Garibadmi compared to United Airlines or Air India. But for us we have this very, very liberal you know interpretation of when the line of corruption starts and it usually starts with us taking money. But 
I was more concerned at that point of time with you know conflict of interest. Of course, the IPL has always been one gigantic conflict of interest. I mean, Chennai Super Kings, the fact that you know its owner for so long was also part of you know the BCCI. It was a gigantic conflict of interest with respect to how the way the rules were being framed, and you know the, the IPL auctions. It was gigantic conflict of interest. So for me, those were you know bigger problems. Again, I don't know much about Amra Pali to comment on this. So I would resist comment on, especially given. Given the Dhoni army that exists on, on Twitter, I don't. I wouldn't want to say anything uh, without ha- without having the facts in front of me. So maybe I'll I'll defer my comment on that. But I definitely don't think that celebrities should be held accountable for uh, the products that they endorse. So would that be our podcast for today, though? That would be my podcast for today. Yes, we and we have- will do. and we will do and i promise to do these things because people have been asking me for this is to do a podcast dedicated on phds and why i don't like and, and why i uh, would want to sound a caveat on doing phds that's one topic that i have that i want to spend an episode on. and i want to spend one episode maybe two episodes because i did this thread on twitter just on a whim and i found that it was very popular is happiness and how uh, you try to be happy in a fundamentally effed up world so we'll 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 do episodes on that we'll, we'll dedicate episodes to that in this you know by the way it's very difficult to do those episodes because you end up talking so much and you have to be cogent and coherent and we we'll, but we'll do it we'll do it sometime someday soon okay uh, we unfo- unfortunately buried the ent- the biggest headline of the week uh, completely we didn't address it which was about uh, rohit sharma unfollowing anushka sharma oh, on uh, oh instagram Oh my goodness! This is the this is the this is the this is the way I think World War Three is going to be fought. This is the way. I think we have come to a stage where humanity has evolved to a place where we no longer want to bomb each other with nuclear bombs. You know, this just unfollow on Instagram. That's it. I I, I wish with, that humanity went there, but this was the ultimately the most terrible thing that can happen. But again. being serious i think this is not the first time it's very fairly obvious why rohit sharma and virat kohli are fighting at this point of time i think that the effects of the world cup the effects of some of the terrible decisions that were taken by virat kohli with vis-a-vis dhoni and with that uh, stooge that he that that passes off as our coach who's supposed to provide oversight to the you know for the for the captain's decisions but is essentially a malish man um i think that rohit sharma feels it more and i think he he let's say he's he has the capital to kind of uh, represent i don't think he's representing himself so much as he's representing a section again i'm i'm reaching here but i think he's representing a section of the team who are pissed off at some of the decisions that were taken and the reason why he's why he's able to represent is because he has a goddamn amazing world cup right so he himself feels aggrieved right with with respect to any sportsman when you have a world cup like rohit sharma had you expect to win it at that point of time and so you feel personally let down by some of those insane decisions that you know dhoni i wouldn't say dhoni took but it, it's not clear as to who was running the show who was taking the decisions and i think this is this what we see on social media this this terrible crime of unfollowing i think it's as 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 the millennials nowadays say shots have been fired <laughs> yeah 
uh, and shots are being fired on instagram apparently this day so uh, this is major man this is major you know so that's uh, that's episode 49 uh, hard to believe but i think tuesday we uh, we would complete uh, one year from our episode 0 wow. one year yeah. so maybe maybe the for the one year i'll do my key for happiness let's do that let's do that yeah so next week in, in, in so uh, coincidentally times out that next week we would also do episode 50 and complete one year we would have completed one year and do 50 go- 50 is what golden jubilee uh, movies don't run for yes. 50 days i forgot what it is golden called. jubilee i think golden jubilee yes the movie, so, movies don't run for 50 days nowadays 50 days nowadays forget <laughs> and nowadays the thing is that because of multiple screens movies actually make a profit within 50 days previously when single screens you had to run for 50 weeks to turn in a profit <laughs> true uh, so yeah we'll have our 50th episode next week and as usual uh, i'm asking for questions for you and let's give arnab some really tough ones this time so shoot it across on twitter you have both of us on twitter and uh, you can also email us at ap podcast uh, and we'll see you next week for the 50th until then thank you okay, okay. thanks a lot